Hello, and welcome to the Misty Blue Days of Our Lives podcast. I'm your host, Misty Blue from mistybluedream.com, and I am here to talk about a little bit of everything. Uh, my website is mistibludream.com. Thank you for tuning in. As a legal disclaimer, nothing said here on this podcast should be used in place of medical or professional advice as the intent of the content is to share personal information, opinions, and thoughts. This is episode four, and today I'm going to be discussing grieving your past life and accepting the new with chronic illness. So the reason why I'm sharing this topic is because, um, well, I did write a blog about it, so you can find that on my website. So I'm going to kind of be reading the blog post as well as adding to that. Um, As somebody who has severe chronic illnesses throughout my whole life, um, it's been a real struggle to get to the point of acceptance. And I thought maybe sharing my story with acceptance could also kind of help others who aren't battling chronic illness to maybe understand about a loved one or friend or family member Um, to kind of get an idea like what's going on in their head and how they feel because I feel like a lot of people who don't understand because they haven't been in a situation, um, they have a difficult time wrapping their head around what's going on. Like maybe they think, well, if it were me, I would refuse to be knocked down or if it were me, I, I would be so dedicated to my health that I wouldn't allow myself to be bedridden and so on. Um, those are some things that I have heard um, in the past from other people who can't comprehend why someone with a chronic illness could possibly be bedridden or, you know, maybe they're not working or whatever's going on in their life. So again, this topic is kind of to just give perspective. So I'll go ahead and start um, by sharing my story. And again, I am kind of reading it from my blog as well as adding to it. So I may mess up a little bit, and I always kind of say that with each podcast. Um, You might hear my dryer go off, or my cat might knock something down, um, or I might kind of have a brain fog moment, or I just forget what I'm talking about. But um, with me, that's just, that's how I am. This is me. That's how I roll. Um, I'm not perfect, and I'm not going to advertise that I am. (laughs) Okay, so... I'm going to go ahead and start. It's grieving your past life and accepting the new. I remember the days when I was a social butterfly. I was building my empire, helping the community, and I knew everyone. I truly thought I had so many friends. It was not until my health was at its worst when I realized that I actually only had a handful of real friends. Those who visited me when I had open heart surgery, those who came by when I got my pacemaker, those who checked in on me those who were there during the low times. Someone healthy once said to me that people get sick because they want attention. That could not be further from the truth. You do not get attention when you are sick. You get dropped and become a has-been. You are forgotten and realize most of your friends were only drinking buddies or you were just a wingman. Out of sight, out of mind. People move on from you and they gravitate towards a replacement. I had a career that was flourishing. I was traveling several times per year, all expenses paid for. I was challenged, inspired, thriving and growing, but my health always catches up. I, it always knocks me down, no matter how hard, how high I climbed. Typically, I always climbed back up. I kept most of my health to myself, besides major things that I couldn't hide, like open heart surgery. 
I masked my symptoms with caffeine, smoking weed, and drinking alcohol. Depression was always tucked away inside. I never slept and I resented my body. This time, I didn't climb back up. I accepted it. I embraced it. I shared my story and my truth so that others didn't feel the need to suffer silently like I did. My career fell apart. And then I also love to quote Tyler Durden from Fight Club. It's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything. On the plus side, when my health deteriorated, I realized who was important. I realized I wasted my precious time with the wrong people when I had amazing friends that were there all along. It reminded me about quality over quantity. I have learned to change my perspective. I may not be the career-fueled woman I once was, but my passion has never skipped me. I remind myself how grateful I am to now live a genuine life, no toxic friendships, no false friendships, nobody with a hidden agenda. My life is a challenge, but it's real, and so are my relationships. When you find yourself in this position, it's a chance to reinvent yourself. You reevaluate everything, you cut the toxins out, and you ask yourself, what do you truly want? How can I touch lives and make a difference? I may be grieving who I once was, my fair weather friends, and my fast paced career. However, I'm excited to see how my new journey unfolds and where life will take me. I feel my purpose needed to be more meaningful. I was lost in the fun, excitement, and the haze of fake friends, and I couldn't see what I was meant to do. I was meant to change the world, to help others, to make a difference, no matter how small, even if I just paved the way. So that is a little bit about, I guess, you know, what I was feeling at the time. Um, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that when you have a chronic illness, you know, constantly having health issues, how difficult it can be to build a life, you know? So throughout my life, I would, you know, just be killing it in my career. I would be just, you know, going places and, and doing well and getting promoted and moving up. Opportunity after, opportunity after opportunity would come to me. And um, I mean, I would take it and I mean, I was doing well. Um, and then something, you know, significant would happen. I mean, I always had my health issues that I kind of dealt with despite that. Um, but then when I have something major like having open heart surgery or you know, or a hysterectomy or having another, you know, getting a pacemaker, all of these things. Um, I've had four cardiac ablations, you know, I've, there's, I've had so many surgeries at this point, it's hard to keep track. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's something that occasionally the career or job that you're with, you know, they might, if you're a healthy person and you have something like that major happen, Oftentimes, you know, they'll be so supportive, they'll wait for you, you come back, you recover, everything's fine. But, you know, leading up to those points, I, you know, I wasn't just a healthy person who randomly got this, you know, surgery that came about and recovered and went along back to my life. With a chronic illness, you know, you have moments that lead up to that. You have several doctor's appointments that you have to go to, that's missing time from work. You have, um, days where you're just not feeling well at all. You can't drag yourself out of bed and you can't make it to work, um, obviously, because this is something that led up to this major surgery. 
Um, you know, so you also have, um, you know, days where you're just not quite yourself. You might just be completely exhausted or fatigued um, or experience whatever symptoms you're experiencing that might make it hard for you to do the job to the best of your ability. Um, and so when you look at that over like a span of time, you know, that's when the career that you're in or the people you work with, they start noticing like, hey, well, she's missed a lot of days. She's always sick. She's always at the doctors. And yeah, you know, maybe she's killing it and stuff, but it's like, once you get to that point where you're having a surgery, um, you know, and for me, open heart surgery, and that was three months I was out at least. I had complications and had to go back. I had to get my wires removed several months later because my body was rejecting them. Um, several ER visits, uh, you know, so it's not like I could have just gone back to work. Um, and so when you look at somebody like me, you know, it's not something that's always so forgiving to the employer to see their employee who is just, you know, maybe they're great at what they do, but they're not 100% reliable. And that's something that is hard, not even just for work or a career, but even just relationships and friendships, you know. Being someone who truly is, you know, like when I'm healthy, I'm there on time. Um, I'm, I'm very dependable, I'm very reliable. Um, and so to have this thing that's out of my control that keeps you from being a reliable person or someone who, who's punctual uh, or someone who, you know, doesn't call out, you know, it's very frustrating. It's frustrating on my end and it's probably very frustrating on the employer's end because here they're trying to be understanding, um, you know, maybe they have empathy and compassion for you, which is great, but I mean, that can only take you so far because at the end of the day, they're trying to run a business and if you can't show up or hop on that flight to make it to, you know, the next event, um, you know, they, they need to find somebody who will. And that's, that's the bottom line. So, um, you know, because of that, I've always kind of had to um, kind of be my own boss. And I would take gigs in between. And, and usually they wouldn't last, you know, maybe a couple months here. I think I've stretched one out to a year. Um, just depends on what it is. If it's like, a, you know, if it's just like a part-time thing or a full-time thing. Um, and they're always short-term because that's really what my health would allow. You know, when, you know, having a connective tissue disorder, I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, if you don't know that already. Um, in order to manage my health, I have a rheumatologist, I have an EMT, electrophysiologist, cardiologist, pulmonologist, gastroenterologist, gynecologist, of course. Um, I mean, neurologist, let's not forget that one. That's an important one. Um, probably a couple more that I'm not, you know, remembering right now, but I mean, that's a lot of doctors and it's not like I see those doctors like once every two years. Um, many of them I see often. And when you work a regular nine to five job or full-time job, I mean, when do you go to the doctors? During those hours, typically. So, um, you know, and it might not seem like a big deal scheduling off like, you know, two hours here, you know, but then like, you also can't forget the tests in between, you know, the imaging that you need done or the blood work, you know, I mean, we're talking 
multiple hours throughout each month that's dedicated to this and, and phone calls of course with insurance companies and doctor's appointments and you know getting your labs and printing them out so you can fax them to this person i mean it's a full-time job in itself really managing a chronic health condition um you know and the reason why i mention this stuff is because i have been ridiculed i've been attacked i've been you know i've had people say nasty things to me throughout time because you know they are healthy and they don't realize that you know the struggles of being someone who's not healthy or able-bodied um i actually had a relative of mine who um i'm thinking he had too much to drink one night and just randomly out of the blue just started saying these nasty comments and all my stuff saying i was seeking attention i sent him a private message and i was like what is your deal like are you is everything okay like you know what's going on and he just was saying you know oh i make 150,000 a year and you're lazy you need to get a job and it's like you know first of all like if anyone who knows me knows like i bust my ass i'm an entrepreneur i i you know i have a salon a, a product line i i've always been the person who has the most amount of jobs that i've ever known of any person that i know i have the most or have had um because that's what i kind of needed to do in order to add that up into a full time career really is to have all these things because if i'm um you know if i'm not feeling well and i can't do hair then at least i can fall back on photography you know and at least if i can't do any of those things i i'm at home and I'm, i've got my product line and that's i'm being creative and i can sell that on my shop my shop and it's something you know what i mean like i've always had juggling these things um you know and even if i even if i weren't healthy or not like i mean not to to my own horn but i mean i i bust my ass <laughs> like not a lot of people you know have multiple businesses um and so at the end of the day no i don't have make $150,000 um and there are times where i've had to take off for months to recover from surgery you know or maybe take the week off because i was really sick um but guess what being your own boss you're able to do that it might not be always reliable income or stable income but i can't fire myself <laughs> Um so that's kind of how I've had to make things work. So obviously he doesn't know a whole lot about me or he'd know that I actually am a very hard worker. Um but at the end of the day, I think as a whole, I think he just judges people like me, you know, who are trying to raise awareness about their health issues because we're so neglected medically. Um you know, most of the time women are treated that way and just like how he was treating me i mean in in a way sometimes doctors look at us and they think that about us they think this woman is just being lazy or it's in her head and and that's the stigma that we're trying to fucking break that's why i have this podcast that's why i have my blog that's why there these communities of people with chronic illnesses are sharing their story because everyone's been so fucking alone for so long and so um you know the we're not seeking attention because we want um you know people to feel sorry for us or because we want this attention or whatever it is you think we're, we're seeking attention in the ways that we want you know we want doctors to 
get to the point where this is such such an acknowledged topic that they cannot dismiss us and neglect us anymore. Um, I am going to be 35 in August. Actually, it's August now, so three weeks, actually. Um, and, you know, I just have basically barely gotten diagnosed within the last two years. <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to run and get my water real fast. <laughs> And I'm probably not going to edit that out because, again, so um, anyway, so, you know, it, it's taken me, what, 32, 33 years to get a diagnosis, which is fucked up. I mean, even like looking back in my medical records, like, I think this was in 2003, uh, which is well over 10 years ago. I mean, that's, that's quite a while ago. And, um, I was in my early 20s and they were saying, well, this patient has all these unique and mysterious uh, symptoms and the health issues and basically like saying it's very peculiar and that's where they left it. Like, that's it. Nobody thought to drag that sentence on longer and say, but why? Why does this client or patient, I'm sorry, why does this patient have these unique health issues? Nobody decided, let's get this chick tested genetically. Let me just crack open my book and do some research for her. Um, what could be causing all of these unique health issues, like my heart issues for a young person that shouldn't have these heart issues, as an example? Um, Nobody did that for me. And um, at the time I was too young and trusting of my doctors and too, you know, and this was way before the internet was as awesome as it is now to be able to do that kind of research then. Um, and at my age, it wasn't a thought in my head. So, um, I mean, I spent so many years just being dismissed and, you know, throwing random medications towards issues that it wasn't even gonna do anything for. Like, you know, here, try this antidepressant, try, you know, acid reflux medication, even though you don't have acid reflux, it's really just your heart. Um, time and time again, you know, being diagnosed with anxiety when really I'm, I'm having tachycardia um, and a dysfunctional nervous system, you know? So it's, it, that's why I'm raising awareness because, you know, guess what? I have kids now and, and they're teenagers now. And I want their kids, my kids and their kids to be treated better. I want them to be diagnosed properly. You know, the statistic is 12 million per year are misdiagnosed. That's one in 20. That number is fucking crazy. So the idea that that is an acceptable statistic that nobody has thought, you know, we need to change that. That's what really gets me. Um, that statistic shouldn't be real. That we should be far from that. I mean, even if we just take baby steps and try to make it a goal like one in a hundred misdiagnoses, come the fuck on. Um, so we need to change that and um, I, I want to change the stigma. I want to change the way people are looked at. You know, people in the chronic illness community, they're, 
They're not, they're not getting attention like you think. They don't have fucking real friends. Their friends are internet friends that they've met in support groups. Um, and, and a couple of their friends that have stuck by their side throughout the hard times. Um, you know, they have small support systems. So um, the reality is not what the stigma is. That, you know, I, I, it's, you know, maybe some people might say like, oh, I hope you feel better or, or, you know, give you a thumbs up or a heart like or whatever. That doesn't fucking mean anything. It's sweet and all. But like at the end of the day, when I'm in the hospital, I'm in the hospital alone, you know, until my husband can get off work and come by and bring me some food or something. I might have a friend once in a blue moon drop in, but as often I'm, as I'm in the hospital, most of the time, I'm in there alone. I'm, I'm in there alone, I'm depressed. I'm, I don't even have the TV on, I just sit there in silence and I'm pissed and I'm angry, which is something I'm working on. Um, I'm gonna try to be more positive and, and maybe productive and stuff, but you know, it's hard. You know, but my point is, is that it's, it's, not, it's not like what you see on TV. It's not like what you think you see on social media. It's a very fucking lonely, isolating, desolate world for people who are suffering with chronic illnesses. Um, and so, you know, that being said, I'm gonna wrap this up because I, I just wanted to get this out of the way. Um, so this is episode four. And, you know, if there's ever any topics that you want me to discuss, I basically on this one, I discuss anything and everything. Um, I also have the Invisible Diaries. Um, it's a podcast that I have with my friend Amber, and that's strictly on health issues. Um, and, and we try to post a couple times a month. And so that's a great one, too, if you want to follow that. Um, this one that's mine is more my personal one. So I do cuss a lot. I, I do the recordings randomly, like, throughout the day. or um, And I have random topics. Most are related to health, but many aren't. And so, you know, that's it. And again, you can go to my website. It's mistybluedream.com. And my name's spelled funny. It's M-I-S-T-I-B-L-U and then dream, D-R-E-A-M. Um, and then, of course, I always like to throw out the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I know a lot of people with chronic illnesses, um, you know, suffer from depression. And so you know, that's maybe an important number to have just in case you're ever feeling really low and, and, you know, don't be afraid to use them. It's a number, call it, try it out. Um, and yeah, so we'll see. Like I said, I don't really have a whole lot of, um, my future podcast really planned out as to, you know, what my topics, I kind of just made a list. Um, and I'm just kind of going from there. I have upcoming topics that I have. Maybe I'll go ahead and tell you because I do have my list um let's see now I'm just kind of here we go <laughs> um okay this one I can't wait to do this one I'm not ready for it yet but this is a fun one so one of the topics I have coming up is how to not be the jackass in a debate so I'm really excited about this one because a lot of people you know love to share their opinions on topics in general. A lot of times it's health health related, like this is bad for you, this is good for you, this is the correct way, this is the wrong way, whatever it is, I don't care. Um, and so I wanted to kind of add some tips because, you know, a lot of people 
have these insane claims that they throw out and people who believe in the similar things that that person believes in will totally jump on that and that they will believe in that is the, their truth to them and so you know it's basically i'm just going to be adding you know some points and advice like always check that up check up on that research it you know um and i don't want to get into too much now because you know, that's for a whole other po- a whole other podcast. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff I learned um, about like medical journals and how those can be misleading and how really anyone can publish one. Like we can publish one today, you and I, like we can publish a medical journal if we want. Um, and so that can be hard because a lot of people don't realize how simple that is and how you can actually have misleading data. Um, and so people see this medical journal and they think, oh my God. And people will use this one from like 20 years ago as even though there's like 20 million that contradict that and they'll stick to that and live with it because there's a medical journal. So, you know, anytime anyone I feel like is going to say something like, you know, you can cure cancer with vitamin C, wonderful. I want, I I just think if you're going to make a statement like that, then you need to provide sources, <laughs> back that up. Cause I see that a lot with the, the vaccines and um, you know, all these strong opinions that are taboo and people contradicting to, you know, our divided opinions, which is fine. And, and everyone has their opinions and stuff, but you know, basically I'm just trying to put my point out there that like, there's a way to do it in an intelligent way that if you want to get your point across about something, then provide the statistics. Um, and then a couple other things I have was um, why I talk about my illness on social media, um, which I kind of touched on this one. And then another great one, which would probably be my next one, is how to solve problems. Really simple, but a lot of people just don't know how to solve problems. They freak out, they get anxiety and stress, and I want to help walk people through that. How is a healthy way to get through a problem, how to solve a problem you know, without, you know, messing up your life or how to manage your stress throughout that. These are things that I feel like should be taught um, in high school. And we we don't learn those things. And then the next thing you know, we're adults and we're freaking out. <laughs> so um, that's all for today. And thank you for tuning in. And again, if you have any other topics, you can always reach out to me on my website, um, shoot me a message. Um, subscribe, give me five stars, all that fun stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.